0: All right. We're digging into Luke, and we're in chapter 7, beginning in verse 40. Here's what it says. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts of both of them. Now which one of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he has canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, You have judged rightly. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, Jesus is dis- teaching his disciples to pray. And we're, we've been working our way through this prayer that he, that he prayed when, when the disciples said, Will you teach us how to pray? And he said, Okay, well, let's start like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we said that Jesus is teaching them to pray for God's character. And then he said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as as it is in heaven. Jesus teaches them to pray that God would be the king in the world, in our communities, in our homes, in our lives, that we would look to God as the ultimate authority. And then he said, Give us this day our daily bread. And we began to pray that God would provide for us and God would give us what we need. His next words that come out are pretty simple forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And forgiving is important. It's one of those things we know that's important. And when we talk about it, we say we should forgive other people. If nothing else, you've probably heard the science that says that not forgiving somebody else is actually harmful to your psyche. You are more affected by your unforgiveness than the person you don't forgive. uh, Amazingly enough, and so you've seen these things, it's part of us that we are called to feel better and to forgive because it frees us. It gives us freedom from those feelings and that pain that we struggle with all the time. We know why forgiveness is important but I'm not entirely sure that that's the whole point that Jesus is making here. Jesus doesn't pray this. Jesus lives this. And when we start to get into the stories of Jesus's life, we start to ask this question, where does forgiveness show up in Scripture? And how does Jesus live this out? And so here's one of the stories that he gets into as he talks about this. Here's what it says in Luke 7, just before the reading that we started to read today. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisees in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. Now, what's going on here? if we're asking this question, what exactly is happening? She is grabbing a high-priced bottle of perfume or a high-priced bottle of lotion. It is more expensive than the things you can find at Bath and Body Works, which doesn't seem possible, but it's true. It's really—some I, I, of you are like, that's the cheap stuff, but it's just kind of how it goes. So this is what he's, she's bringing. She's going to take care—she's going to give him— A treatment of some sort. She's going to rub lotion on him in some way, or perfume, to make him uh, smell better, to bring him honor. A daily shower wasn't a, a, a luxury that they had at this point in time, and so washing people, and especially washing things that would get dirty with regularity, like feet, was an incredible luxury. And so she goes to him, and she stands behind him, and she weeps. And she weeps so uncontrollably that her tears start to wash his feet. And she's able to, to wipe it with her hair. She doesn't have a towel, and she doesn't have a basin. She's able to take care of these things, and she begins to take care of his needs, to clean him after a long day of walking, to be able to do the job that servants would do as he would have walked into the house. Here's, here, and it goes on to say this, Now, when when the Pharisee had invited him, saw it, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known what kind of woman this was and who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. Okay, first things first. This woman gets a reputation as having a very particular job. Um, We don't know. We just know that she is known in the community for her sins, which is probably not a good way to be known. And so Simon wants to know, well, Jesus, if you're so smart, and if you're in tune with God, don't you know that this woman touching you is going to make you unclean? Don't you know it's going to disqualify you from what God is doing by being around people like this? And he begins to point. Now, he's not saying this. He's thinking it. And Jesus says—see, you jumped me here. Jesus says, teacher, he replied, speak, and these are the words that I was thinking of. If Jesus says, I have something to say to you, it's a trap. Don't say, sure, Jesus. What do you have to say to me? Because when Jesus speaks to me, he's usually explaining to me that I'm going the wrong way and I have something to learn. Don't pray for patience. You'll be taught how to be patient. Don't pray that God will break you He will. He will over and over again. Simon is thinking, how can you be around these people? And Jesus says to him, I have something to say to you, Simon. I hear what you're thinking right now, which is a little bit Star Wars-esque anyway, so hey, we'll just continue to go with it in this moment. If Jesus has something to say, it might not make you feel all warm and fuzzy. Instead, he says this, A certain creditor had two two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When one could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now, which of them will love him more? Which of them will love him more? Jesus is telling a simple story. Who's going to be excited? And now, my analytical, smart mind that thinks in shades of gray, because that's who I am, and I don't really think of things black and white, it's like, well, could be this or could be this, go well, it depends on the income and socioeconomic status of these two, and what kind of status they have in life, and their ability to pay, and, you know, I can make all these arguments. Okay, don't overthink this. Jesus is telling a simple story without a lot of nuance to try to get at something. One guy owes 50 days wages, which is a lot— What the money you'd make for 50 days, because it's not like you can work 50 days to make that money back. You also have to eat and live indoors. It's a priority for people. And so you have this thing, a guy owes 50 days wages, but another one owes 500. A year, maybe five months added on to that, four months added on to that. That is a lot of time to be making up payments to somebody. If both of them get their debts forgiven, Jesus says, who is going to be more grateful? The one who owes more. Very simply, the the person who's hearing the story, this Pharisee named Simon, says, I need to figure this out. What does this mean? And the fundamental question is is this, or the fundamental point is this. Forgiveness grants us freedom. When we're forgiven— we're free. If you've been a part of the the Dave Ramsey class that goes on here or at another church, you know this. Financial freedom is freedom. When you don't owe people money, you can do more. If you didn't know this, if you grew up around somebody who understood this, they would tell you this over and over again. Don't get into debt because debt is a trap and you can't get out. Being forgiven a debt makes you free. Let lets you do what you want to do. It lets you do the thing that, that my boss, when I worked at the bookstore in college, always told me about. She said, you'll hate it if you have to work for money you already spent. It's the worst. It's true, by the way. It's really true, and I've done that a number of times in my life, and it's not that much fun. This simple story is to remind us that forgiveness grants us freedom— And Jesus is telling this story to his disciples, and he's telling this story to these Pharisees, and he's telling the story in the middle of a room, talking about, well, what does it mean to be grateful when we get freedom? The story goes on. It says that Simon answered, I suppose the one who canceled the greater debt, and Jesus said, You have judged rightly. Then, turning to the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? little. There are two people before Jesus. Think about this. There's two people before Jesus. One of them is Simon, a Pharisee, who spent his whole life trying to keep the law. The thought in his mind is this. I guess I need God, but I'm not quite sure how. I probably need forgiveness, but I'm not quite sure what I need forgiveness for, because I do things right over and over and over and over again. He doesn't think he needs anything. And then there's a woman whose reputation is so prolific that when she walks in the room, they say, oh, there's Mary. She's a sinner. Now, it takes a lot of doing for people to think that of you when you walk in the room. And so she knows without a shadow of a doubt she needs forgiveness. She knows without a shadow of a doubt she needs God to show her love and grace and mercy. And when she knows it, she loves greatly. She's amazed by the forgiveness that she's been given. Jesus is telling both of these people they are forgiven, but their reactions are so different based on how much they think it means to them. So let me ask this question for you. How much do you need God's forgiveness? Is this a real need in your life? Is this something that you actually are looking for? Do you actually need Jesus? You say, we we say these words, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And we can grapple, when we grapple with how much we need God, these words become powerful. Because we start to say this, God, would you forgive me? God, is your forgiveness for me? God, do you love me enough that even with my past and my reality, which probably is okay, from the outside looks pretty good, but the reality is, is when we look deep inside, we all know more than anybody else in our lives that we need God's forgiveness. If we take an honest look, none of us feel like the Pharisee, and all of us feel like Mary, where we start to recognize what's God's standard for us. Love God with all your heart, and all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. I I can't do it. I don't know about you, but That, for me, is a bar that goes about here, and if I can get about this far off the ground, most mornings I'm doing pretty good. Do you ever pray that prayer? Jesus, I've done everything right today. It's been a blessing. I'm so thankful. I've made it this far without sinning today, but in a moment I'm going to get out of bed and I'm really going to need your help. Have you ever (laughs) felt like that? It's tough. And the reality of where we're at and where we're, our hearts are is to, to, to name this for ourselves. We need God like Mary needs him. And when we start to get this reality of what God has done in our lives, we start to really understand what forgiveness means. The hardest part of forgiveness is remembering that we need it more than we will ever need to give it to others. We need God's forgiveness more than anybody will ever need our forgiveness. And we can't be afraid to admit that in a moment. For a moment. To say, God, we need you. You see, our sins aren't just against people, but against the God who created us. People were wrestling with this for centuries. And then Jesus walks in the room and he starts telling people, You are forgiven, and you are forgiven, and you are forgiven. And, you know, I've heard the stories, and I don't really care. You're forgiven, and you're forgiven, and you're forgiven, and I love you, and God loves you, and nothing is going to separate you from God's love. Because we need to know that God loves us. I remember when I, how I learned this lesson. And it wasn't from a sermon. It was actually from praying the same prayer over and over again as a child. And I'd love for us to pray a little bit. Um, In the old Lutheran book of worship, it was called the brief order for confession and forgiveness, which when I wanted service to go fast, never felt that brief. But it was always there, and it was always teaching me, what does it look like to ask for forgiveness? And so I want to go through this together with you and ask this question— what would it mean for us to take a minute and say, God, we need to be forgiven. And so here's how this goes. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, from whom all are to, har- to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say we have no sin— Now, I want you to listen to this. This is, this is 1 John. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And this is where I need you to stop for a minute. Because in my church, and maybe in your church growing up, you heard these words, and they stopped. And this is when I did the inventory. What do I need to ask for forgiveness for? There are pens and paper on the end of every aisle. Okay? And we're going to take a minute here. I got a minute. I'm good. We're going to take a minute here. Grab one of those. Find one for you. Hopefully there's enough. If there's not, share with somebody or tear one in half or whatever it takes. But I want to ask this question. What do you need God to forgive you for today? And I'm going to encourage you to just write it down really quick. And you can do that now. I'm going to give you a moment. I'm going to—I'll give you a minute here in just a minute where it's quiet, but write down what it is that you're asking God to forgive you for. And put that away. Because we're going to ask for forgiveness, but what I want you to do with those papers is as you come up for communion and you make your way back to your chairs, there are prayer walls in the back, and we'd love for you to stick those in there. God, I need you to forgive me today for something. Maybe it's a general idea. Maybe it's something really specific, but I'm just going to give you a minute of silence while hope plays and and you can just take a minute to write that down more time, there'll be more time as we make our way to communion. Let's continue here, because this prayer continues with these words. And there's a whole bunch that we're going to say together, so I invite you to say this with me. Most merciful God, we confess that we are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. There's this piece of scripture that says this, if the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. But I want you to hear the end of this because it's so important. We need to hear these words. As a called and ordained minister, or Almighty God in his mercy has given us to— Try to do them all at once. Almighty God in his mercy, God has given his son to die for us, and for his sake, God forgives us all of our sins. As a called and ordained minister in the church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I don't say those words called and ordained because I have any special power. I'm telling you, I've studied, I've thought, I've learned, and I can simply attest to you what God is already doing. What I know that God has done in my life and what I know that God is wanting and willing and blessing to do in your life. Bring your sin to him. He'll be forgiven. Bring your fear to him. It'll turn to hope. Bring your shame to him. They'll turn to tears of joy at the feet of a king. You see, we're called to live these words. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that these papers that we hold in our hands are sins that have already disappeared from your mind. As we place them, as we place them together, we're reminded of what you can do in our lives, that you forgive us with all that you are. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, our Maker and our Redeemer. And all God's people said, Amen.